Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown. First off, I got to give you an apology. I said that I was going to be releasing episode 100, or at least recording it while at Worlds. I recorded a little bit of an intro the morning of the tournament, but it was just, it was really hard to get people together in order to record, mostly just because like lots of things were happening all of the time, and when other people weren't busy, I was busy, and vice versa. I mean, with Worlds being at Adepticon, it meant that there were a lot of things going on simultaneously and people were playing board games or people were like demoing games or they were playing X-Wing, et cetera, et cetera. Or, I mean, obviously there was Swiss. Our nights were filled up with either uh, we went out to eat a few nights and we didn't get back till late. And if that wasn't the case, then I think the night, yeah, the night after Swiss, I just went to bed because I was exhausted and we had to cut the next day. So Saturday night. So I apologize for that. Completely my fault. Um, but it was still, it was an amazing tournament. And I'm going to be talking about that a little bit, but first off. Okay. So this is episode 100 and I want to give everyone a little bit of a roadmap as to what we're going to be doing in the future. For those of you who don't know, Worlds was won by Brett Kelly. He was running Spectre with extra armor. Um, I'm going to have him on next week in order to talk about, I don't want to, I don't want to do Swiss reports anymore just because I think Swiss reports, especially in the context of Spectre Cell, aren't super interesting. Um, And that is especially the case in light of the fact that we are expecting a nerf to be hitting Spectre any moment now. So I just don't think it matters a ton, but Brett has just got such incredible insights regarding the game and the decisions that he made and why he made those decisions that that's what I'm going to want him to get on to talk about a little bit of an overview regarding his opponents, how, how his Swiss rounds went without going into detail about, um, you know, his actual play by plays, and then just talking about why he took the list that he took. And I know it's going to be really awesome. That will be episode 101. Episode 102 is going to be David Gao. For those of you who don't know, David Gao ran Lothcats at Worlds. He went 5-1 and one in Swiss. I think he was knocked out in the top 16, but it was awesome. He was Brett's actually, I think he was Brett's only loss on the day. And also, he beat Brett. Okay, so Brett was running Spectre Cell. David Gao, it's, so the list is Scum Hunters, not really even Scum Hunters, like Scum Hunter Smugglers with a set of elite Lothcats with Beast Tamer. I'm not going to go into too many details on his list because I want him to talk about it. <laughs> but David ran against Brett on Blitz, and David beat him. Brett's only loss on the day and in the cut was on Blitz with Spectre Cell. Oh, Brett. Oh, man, I was really wanting to give him a super hard time about that. But um, he also said that I think at Nationals or something the year last year, or I'm sorry, two years ago, year and a half ago, I guess, his only loss with Agnos was on Raining Freight. So Brett's an incredible player, but I don't know, something about his most favored map. Uh, maybe he just psychs himself out. Anyway, that will be episode 102. Then what we're going to do is episode 103, I'm going to get Chris Emick, Jake, and Brett on. And what they're going to be doing is they're going to be talking about the efforts that they're doing to reboot the game to a 2.0. I think that without... Okay, so here's the deal. FFG has given us no love, right? No joy. They're not telling us anything about the future development of the game. I don't, I'm not sounding doom and gloom here, but it, is, it seems very likely that we are not going to be getting an expansion this year, right? And without an expansion this year, we will get a nerf to Spectre Cell, which will put our meta back kind of in like the heart of the Empire meta. Now, that was an awesome meta, but it also, I think people don't really want to keep playing that kind of a game, right? You want to play a game that's got an interesting meta, a shifting meta. There's always like, the cool thing is, is like when your meta is stable, like there's some kind of equilibrium 
and the equilibrium is along several like several different lists are competitive so there's scum hunters rebel hunters rebel heroes um, empire which is vader parting blow empire or like brandon kiocho he ran his um, tarot atdp jet trooper list there's just lots of cool things that can happen in that, especially because people can experiment, right? If the if the meta equilibrium is stable, it allows people to test things against that. And if hopefully if the the lists that are ascendant in the meta, most of the time if you've got lots of diverse things, it means that no list is really too far above the curve. IG was probably well, IG was a little too good. It allows people to experiment, right? Like the box was able, like the Hondrakata box was able to thrive in that kind of a meta. Um, I mean, Vader was an interesting problem to solve, but, or the Empire's durability was a problem to solve, but that was like a really fun problem. That was something I could work on. Now, once Spectre Cell gets nerfed, we're probably going to be in a similar place uh, and the meta will have room for experimentation. But I think that a lot of people are just kind of burned out, right? Like you don't want to keep working. I don't want to keep playing just the box, right? Like against whatever it is. You want new figures and new things and new content to work with. So with that being the case, what's um, Chris, Jake, and Brett are trying to do is think about a reboot for the game. Not like a reboot. I like anything super... Um, I don't. I don't know how to describe this because it is fairly extensive. But it's not like a different game that they're talking about playing. It's not like we're going to be playing, you know, differently with skirmish. But they're more thinking about introducing their archetypes and kind of fundamentally reshaping the fundamentally reshaping the meta. Okay, now that was a little bit more. Their approach is probably a little bit more ambitious than what I was expecting. What I have always kind of thought about doing. And what I've hoped to do, or not, not I should say hope to do, but what I had thought would happen if FFG let it go is we would take over, do some kind of community run thing that was more of a conservative point balancing thing. So obviously we would allow certain figures to be redesigned if we felt like, um, you know, that there was just a fundamental breaking with the design, but that, you know, Ahsoka would be seven points instead of eight because at eight, she's probably a little bit overcosted. Um, six, she's too good, obviously, but, or maybe not obviously, but she is too good, but seven's fine, right? So you kill, you know, you put her down to seven. Davith, um, maybe he goes down to five or four, right? And like, there's lots of things like this. Bosk maybe goes down to seven, but who knows? He might be a figure who's like in need of a redesign. Point is, is there's lots of things like this, right? Like where we think, is there a figure that's got a fundamental design problem or is it just a matter of being overcosted? Now, in a certain sense, everything that is bad is just bad because it's overcosted, right? You would take Garcon at three points, um, you know, as opposed to whatever garbage uh, point points he's at right now um but that's brett has brought up a lot of times that that's not the right way to do it just because you're going to have tons of high activation high health lists right if like everyone just if you depress deflate the the cost of all of these units you're just going to open yourself up to having units that have got like 10 12 activations with 100 health he's right um but like there's a lot of things where a lot of figures like hk's just probably could stand to be a little bit cheaper, right? Like they've got a cool design. They do a lot of really interesting things, crazy range, you know, so maybe we just make them cheaper and you see how that goes. Anyway, that was kind of my thought as to an approach, but but Chris, um, Jake, and Brett are talking about something that's a little bit more fundamental. And so with that being the case, what I want them to do is they're going to come on. Episode 103 is going to be them talking about it in terms of what they want to do, how what their general design strategy is going to be. I was initially involved, but like I just was too busy preparing for Worlds. And now after Worlds, I, again, it's just life is too insane. So I'm not going to be as involved with it. But 
they are going to be awesome. I talked with Chris a few times at Worlds, and he's such an awesome guy, and he's got such a great sense as to what is cool and what people want to play. It'll, it'll be really, really good to have him. Come on. So that's going to be episodes 101 will be Brett. 102 will be David Gow and his Lothcats. 103 is going to be Chris and company talking about 2.0. Now, um, I saw on the Slack today, and JK actually po- or JK posted this in our admin channel, that there's talk about doing a, re- a, a tournament, a vassal tournament, that is just recosting units. I don't know if what they were talking about was something like along the lines of a fundamental shift, like what Chris is talking about, or just a recosting. Because we have, JK and I, and a few other of the brothers, we, um, we, we prepared like a, an idea as to what we were thinking regarding a 2.0 rebalancing. And that was realistically just mostly focused on um, costing units cheaper. We didn't really tackle any serious design things. I mean, we made it so like Gideon, 3PO, can't focus, scum units, right? Like things like that. But mostly it was just points. And we are, we've been kind of sitting on that. But if there's not like a ton of interest in it, obviously we're not going to lean into it. But if people are thinking that they would like to, to play a tournament like that, and I even think it would be helpful for um, Chris's project, like if we if we do just a conservative rebalancing of maybe you know twenty ish figures total, and we'll ban Specter Cell and things like that, and just kind of throw it out, have a tournament with it, or kind of a league is more what we're thinking about doing, where we let people experiment. We see how it turns out, I th- and I think there might be interest in that. And if there is, um, we can talk about that on the Slack. Okay, so. That is what is going on. Now, just a quick recap on Worlds. This is going to be a super long episode, which is kind of funny considering it's our 100th. I wanted it to be this big special thing. But really, I actually kind of like that it's going to be something short and sweet and just me um, speaking into the void. We had so much fun at Worlds. We got in Thursday night. We were able to see people on Friday. We played in the Destiny Galactic Qualifier And then we played like in a Destiny draft or something like that afterwards. And then we were just hanging out. And it was just so much fun. I mean, from start to end, it was so incredible seeing everybody. And I had met a lot of the people. Like, I've met a lot of the people on the Slack from last year's Worlds. But there was a lot that I hadn't met. We've gotten a lot of new people. And it was just awesome. I had a bunch of promos that I was trying to give away to everybody. And it was incredible to be able to talk with people, to play games with new people to watch people playing games together it really was just an absolutely incredible experience i was standing around um, with someone after round five of swiss this so this is on saturday for the imperial assault tournament so we're standing there and kind of chit-chatting and as we're talking we're looking out like a you know everybody and this is round five right of a brutal specter bowl slog and people are like laughing and talking to each other, you know, and like it was just incredible to watch, like a little surreal in terms of thinking about what an amazing day it was. I had like two or three people um, from like Destiny and Armada come up and just ask us, you know, ask me questions they, like they saw our shirts and like ask us questions about what was going on and everything like that. And a few people made comments about how we all looked like we were just best friends having a good time so i felt obviously really really good about that and that was just like the tournament with friday night we went to giordano's we had 
pizza that, you know, I was really dogging on it beforehand, but man alive, that Chicago pizza was super good. It wasn't pizza, it was like lasagna, but holy smokes, it was awesome. It was really good. There was, I think we had 40 people. We might have, we had between 36 and 40 people there. I think 40 was like our cap. We were pretty close to our cap in terms of total seating. Um, but that was so incredible. We were making fun of Colin because he got pasta. Come on, Colin. I mean, seriously, learn how to act right. I'm just kidding, Colin. I love you like a brother. Um, but that Friday was amazing. The tournament on Saturday was amazing. After the tournament, I just went to bed. <laughs> I was just so exhausted. Um, some people went to go play games over at the Kansas um, brothers house. They played like smash and just other things. I think Scott went um, from our local crew, but I was, I was not having it. So we just went back and went to bed. Then Sunday we had the cut another amazing day. It was actually really relaxed. It's kind of weird because so with the cut of the 16 players who made the cut, 12 of them were specter, which was, that was even more than I expected. And this is also kind of an interesting point about specter. Generally like specter did exactly what we thought it would do at worlds. Like there were no surprises with worlds, but it was weird because there were with very few exceptions. There were a few people. I, I, I heard a few um, kind of angry, angry voices about it, but like with mostly people were just, I think just very much enjoyed being there with other people playing games with other people. So even if they were getting smoked and we knew Spectre was way too strong, there was still like an incredible sense of, I don't know what the word is, camaraderie, um, not like enjoyment in the tournament, right? Like I heard DT say, it's like, this is the worst tournament, but I love, you know, I, I love the community kind of a thing. And it, and that's kind of an interesting summary because even though I, I, I was mad, right? Like I was really mad and kind of, kind of resent resenting ffg for not having done something about specter and giving us the exactly predictable um outcome it was still incredible to be there with people and i just had a ton of fun with that and i think a lot of people did it was it really was um it really was quite amazing and then so sunday was kind of more of a relaxed day the cut went through brett won in a very awesome game against dt also uh, noah pastana deserves a very special shout out for doing so much to broadcast the the tournament ffg totally like completely screwed up it's i don't even say screwed up like i don't even think they tried to do anything about streaming our games um they they could not have cared less i don't even know if they tweeted i'm off twitter but like i i was i could not have been less impressed with ffg in terms of their handling of us at the tournament noah on the other hand was streaming from his phone, right? Like he was streaming games from his phone. Um, or actually, I don't know if he was, what he was doing is streaming games from his phone or if what he was doing was um, putting things through. Like he was like doing a vassal game of, like a live vassal game of Brett and DT's game. I'm not 100% positive on the details, but I was just observing him. He recorded games. He recorded one of my games. He was just awesome. And Noah really deserves um, some special commendation for everything that he did for us. Um, okay, so... Let me just give you a quick overview of Worlds. 66 players showed up. We had players dropping throughout the day. Uh, actually, I, 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 I say that wrong. Four players dropped, um, mostly. I don't think we had... We might have had a few later later droppers, but round three started with, I think, 62 people. And so 66 players showed up. And obviously, you know, people were wondering why. The reason why is because a lot of people, like we had two people from Utah who were going to go to Worlds, Aaron and Josh, or were planning to go, go to Worlds, but they were not told by FFG that they could buy a ticket from the wait list to like two or three weeks before the tournament. Again, like this is just FFG 
um, letting us down. So, and I think there was a lot of that being the case, right? Like a lot of people were like, I'm not buying tickets for this if I don't know I'm going to get a ticket. And if they would have known, obviously they would have done it. Like Sam is a good example. Sam bought a ticket for Adepticon on the wait list saying, I'm just going to go, right? Like I'm going to go and I'm sure someone will drop and I can show up the day of if they haven't contacted me about the wait list. Um, But most people weren't willing to do that and justifiably so. So we had 66 players showed up. Of those 66 players, 33 were running Spectre. Okay, so that's, uh, we, we had talked about this in terms of kind of the upper bound was 60%. I, I thought that 50 was realistically where we we're going to end up. And I even thought that was high, but it seems to have been the case that, um, I mean, 50%, right, was where we were at. We had, I think, 17, um, 17, let's see. 17 Spectre or uh, Scum players, five Imperial players, and 11 Rebel players. Okay, so a very, a very, very um, overweight meta in terms of favoring Spectre. So, with that, with that being the case, um, I will give a quick summary of my my Swiss games. I played six Swiss games. My list was the Double Pirate. So it's Double Pirates, Onar, Greedo, Jabba. Gideon 3PO, regular Jawa, Devious Scheme, Temporary Alliance, Black Market. Okay. Now we, we've talked about it. The list, I had never played Hunters at a major tournament before. And in fact, I've never played Hunters at any tournament besides our Vassal tournament, right? Like I I've just that was not my jam, but I wanted to kill Spectre Cell so badly. So my rage blinded me and I took that list. Um, and it it did what it needed to do. My, It's kind of weird, though, because my first opponent was Lewis Swiger. Lewis was running Ugnaughts. Oh, my gosh. Lewis was, like, the exact person I did not want to run into. I was prepped to fight Spectre Cell. And I run into Lewis Swiger running Ugnaughts. Now, he's won regionals with this list. And I was, oh, man. I When I saw that he was my opponent, I was like, oh, great. A good player playing a list that is just going to shred my scum hunters. We were playing on Mall Propaganda. And I was able to, I got very lucky at a few crucial junctures and I was able to pull out the win. My round two opponent was Jerry Russell. He was playing Vader Spies and he was playing Riot Troopers with double cross training. I was like, what is happening? I'm running into these guys that are just like calibrated to kill Scum Hunters. I think people, I think more people were expecting Scum Hunters than showed up. DT ran doubt in his Spectre list because he, I think he assumed that he was going to be running into a lot of Scum Hunters. And guess what? He played pretty much nothing but Spectre, so... Uh, but he's DT, so it doesn't matter. Um, so I played Jerry Russell, played on Fluctuations. That was my best map, and I was able to, like, we knew going into the tournament that Scum Pirates on Fluctuations versus any non-Han Rangers, non-Scum Pirates list was going to be heavily favored. And that was how our game was. Like, I was heavily favored. He was able to burn, I think he burned Lamb, um, but I just... I, you know, I was able to, I was able to do what I needed to do. So I won that game. Round three was against Luke Sykes. I think that was when I played Luke. We were playing on Tarkin Tarkin Rogue AI. We had a few things like there, I lost this game and there was a few like crucial junctures where I could have, I could have won. Um, like a few, I, I rolled, I, I under rolled a few times, but like, you know, the, what I'm saying is the game was close. If I would have made maybe a, a few decisions differently, I could have won possibly. Um, but there was a few times like the luck kind of like broke against me and Luke was so good about pressing his advantage. So Luke was able to win that one. Uh, game three was 
against Matt, actually, it was Lothal Blitz. Okay, so it's Lothal Blitz, and I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Are we just going to have throwing our bodies into the, you know, into the machine against the gears and see if we can slow Spectre down a little bit? But I actually got paired against Matt Richards, Matthew Scott, my dear brother from Utah. Now, what's interesting about this is we're both two and one, so we know that the loser is probably not going to make the cut. Um, and so we play. Matt gets initiative, which sucks for him because what that means is I'm able to deploy last. I'm able to deploy to the spire and have a strong advantage because he can't really come up to the spire. And I was able to hold onto my advantage and win the game. Matt, and I, this is actually one of those things that I would think would pay for a more in-depth report or just like a more general discussion about positioning because Matt super outplayed me but I had enough of an advantage with him losing his terminal realistically and losing the spire that I was just able to hold on to that and for the win and the and the reason why I bring this up is like Matt outpositioning me is because remember like until this until scum hunter I played the scum hunters list all I ever think about is Han Jakarta um, being close to MHD, right? Like my positioning is very narrow band. I'm not really thinking about positioning so much as I am thinking about controlling tempo and knowing when to overextend and when to bluff and things like that. Like I'm not really thinking about what to do with six people who can shoot, right? Who can reliably deal damage. So it was really, I'm glad I got a lot of reps in, but my under experience with that list showed in that game against Matt. Um, so next round, so I won that one, so I'm three and one. Round five, I play Thomas, Thomas Bush, who's from Lubbock, Texas. It was awesome. We were playing on uh, Mall and we were playing on Gangsters. I got pretty lucky and I was, I think I was able to one shot Ezra, if not one shot him. I did a ton of damage to him and he didn't have Lamb. And he like sent, he, he sent Ezra in, he like bombed Ezra in in order to soften me up. And he had played a little bit too conservatively with the rest of his specters, not conservatively, but he wasn't able to like press as quickly as possible. And I think I'd overextended to kill a Sabine or something like that. I can't 100% remember, um, but I was able to pick off Ezra and then just hold on to my advantage. Um, so I was able to win that one. And then my last game was, um, Tarkin weapons versus Brian Vandergalian, who was running Spectre. Now I was very, very worried about this matchup. I, you know, Brian's an incredible player. He has won regionals. He is just so solid. And this is a, a solid map for Spectre. But what I was able to do is I had, we had talked about a different kind of deployment strategy. Um, cause I, I think what you're worried about, some scum players are worried about doing is they want to hold on to their terminal. But I was just like, heck no, I'm not holding on to my terminal. I've got Black Mark and I've got Java. I'm just going to hope that my card draw is average. I can get the things that I need. I'm going to let him have that. And I'm just going to rotate people around the bottom, pick up weapons, do all of those things. And I was able to do that. I kept him like he couldn't ever really close and take good shots. He was just going to have to be shooting like my Java or Onar or Greedo or something like that. Greedo got himself a red weapon. He was able to one shot Sabine with tools and assassinate. And I was just able to hold on to an advantage long enough that I could go for a combo play with Onar, where Onar with the yellow weapon is focused. He goes and he hits Kanan. I deal a ton of damage, and then I play Strength and Numbers, Java, Order, Hit. And that's, that's able to win it for me. So I went 5-1 and one on the day, which was awesome. I make the cut. I lost to Arvidas. Um, we were playing Maul. Ooh, what were we playing on? Mall posters. I lost. Arvidas is an incredible... I mean, like, Arvidas knows Vader, right? He knows Vader. And he was incredibly conservative. And 
I, like I made I I made this game I made some mistakes. There's a few times like I made a range some calculated risks where I took some range shots that maybe like I probably should have overexposed or like committed further in order to get damage on Vader and Thrawn, but I missed range on some of these shots and oh man, it was it was brutal. So I was kind of scrambling and I just can never catch up. Arvados did so good. He was a great opponent, great game. Arvados also made the top 4. So, um that's my Swiss report. It was a ton of fun. It was it was awesome. I'm very glad to have done it. I'm 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 done with my scum hunters. I named my my, my pirates. My purple pirates were Adorno and Beauvoir, and my green pirates were Camus and Derrida. I named after I named them after French existentialists because I hate them. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Okay, okay, I say French existentialists. I know like some people are like oh, Adorno's. He was part of the Frankfurt School. Whatever. They were associated with each other, and you know that's how you're gonna get from me. So. Uh, great tournament, amazing tournament. The cut was twelve of the top sixteen were Spectre. I'm, and we'll we'll do maybe a more comprehensive survey of this at one point. But and I'm also going to be posting this on the Google Doc. I I what I did was I handed out paper for people to fill out that they could bring to me and get swag. And what that does is it describes their Swiss matchups. And I we got some amazing data, but it's way too much to go. I have just had no time to go through it. But the the cut, we're going to be posting that on um, the Google Doc in terms of everyone who made the cut, what their lists were. There's also some interesting talk about um, Spectre winning the mirror. Whoever, Whichever player did not start with initiative winning the mirror. And it seems to be the case that most... Most, and I'm saying most, like 80% of the time, the Spectre player who did not start with initiative won the game. So we're going to do some additional confirmation on that. But just to give you a general survey, 12 of the 16, um, top 16 are Spectre. The other, the four who are not Spectre are me running uh, Devil Pirates, David Gao running his Lothcat um, Scum Hunters, Steven Rinsma, who repped, he got Han. Ahsoka Sabine into the the top cut. It's kind of like Jamal's heroes list. And it's also a list that Matt Froome run. I mean, a lot of people were running this list, but they subbed Ahsoka in for Jakarta, which I actually think was the exact right call. Jakarta is amazing. She is an incredible figure. She puts out a ton of damage, but she is garbage versus Spectre because she doesn't have Pierce. She's going to get two shot. Your, I mean, her free damage is amazing, but she can't lamb, right? Like, she's not rolling a white die. There's just nothing for it. They just know. They're like, I'm going to go up to you, and I'm going to kill you. Now, in the box, like with MHD, I'm putting Miracle Worker on Second Chance and doing all these things to keep her alive. But you can't do that if you're not running MHD. And I don't even think an MHD is not enough. Like, I didn't take the box for a reason because I knew it just wasn't going to cut it. Um, but Steven Rinsma, so he drops Drock for Ahsoka. And Ahsoka has got all the right answers. She's overcosted, but she is going to she's going to pierce through their their three block. She if she's focused, she's hitting really hard. She's got right back at you. She can hit them wherever they are with her eight movement speed. It was awesome. Such a cool idea. Um, and Steven deserved every bit of his every bit of his uh, glory and accolades for making it to the cut. He beat Ben Varnum um, in top sixteen. Lost out in the top eight. I think he lost to Arvados. I'm pretty certain um so and then the other list was arvados right so you've got those the pirates um lothcat hunters uh arvados running empire and then steven Rinsma's rebels the rest were specter cell that was it um things proceeded apace and dt and brett played an epic final in which brett won and we will get more of that when we talk with brett so that was the tournament um everyone 
everyone that I came with had an awesome time. People didn't, some people didn't do as well as they wanted to do. Some people got supremely unlucky, but I think everyone could agree that the tournament was amazing and seeing everyone was amazing. And so with that being the case, it's interesting to think about this in light of what we want to do going forward, because I had several people and we were talking with Eric Deitch, who is, um, he was DT's plus one we were talking with him a lot about like what we're going to do in order to keep things going. And you know, this is independent of a 2.0, right? Like just in terms of like what it is that we do to keep the community going, because I mean, to be frank with, if FFG is not going to support Imperial Assault anymore, I mean, obviously they'll support OP, but if they're not going to be releasing new product anymore, we're faced with some pretty tough existential choices. Do we keep playing Imperial Assault with, Chris's fixes? Do we adopt a more conservative, um, you know, just like a points balance thing? And I'm not saying like, I don't think either is the right choice. I think Chris is going to put in a ton of energy, which is what you need in order to make these things succeed. Um, but if people are like, oh, I don't want to print off cards, whatever, I just want like some simple errata, then, you know, is that the approach that we take? Do we just say, hey, we're just going to ban Spectre and kind of see where things are at? There's just a lot of interesting things to talk about. And that, and like this podcast, me talking into the void is not the way to – this isn't going to move this forward at all. But it's just kind of to bring this up and something that we should think about in the Slack. Like what are we going to do? People are talking about going to Nova, which is awesome. We expect Spectre will be nerfed by then. Um, but we should think or have some kind of a conversation on the Slack as to what we want to do with future tournaments. Like do we want to have a thing where we agree to like – we're all going to go to Gen Con or something like that. You know, it, it doesn't matter. But this that's just something that I've been, I thought about a lot because you realize as you're sitting there, you know, sur- like talking with 12, 12, 13, 14 guys, like just like having some kind of informal conversation, all of a sudden get serious where you're like, these are people I want to talk with more, right? Like we went to Giordano's and it's like, I want to do this more. And we went out the Sunday night before we all split and you realize, like, these are experiences I want to keep having with these people, right? And how are we how are we going to do this? So, so anyway, I mean, like, that's just something to talk about. And I could ramble about this for, for a while. But I guess, especially in the context of this being the 100th episode, it's kind of appropriate for me to just, again, communicate how much I love everybody that is a part of this community and how much we have done, how incredible it is what we've done in terms of keeping this game going and growing growing together, right? Like in terms of bringing new players in, keeping enthusiasm for, if not like FFG's handling of the game, just this, there's just this spark, right? Like the spark that we bring together where people come up with interesting ideas and they test them out and it's a lot of fun and things like that. And it, that was, I think that was really hard to do in the Spectre meta because people like me i was so razor focused on i will do whatever it takes to kill specter right like i want to break this list and realizing i'm not going to break it but this is the best thing that i can do and i just don't care about you know these fringe ideas that might or might not work in the context of other metas Um, but it'll be now that that is over we can kind of some of that normalcy can resume um and it'll just be good right like it'll it'll be good to return to that and again, it's useful to think about how how we keep going, how we stay together, keep strong. Not and not necessarily in the context of Imperial Assault again, but it's just something about keeping the community going, right? The community is so much more about Imperial Assault, or so much more than Imperial Assault now. And so I just would want to encourage everybody 
to stay engaged and let's talk about what it is that we think that we can do in order to um, keep the band together, as it were. Okay, so with that being the case, I don't want to start crying on anybody or anything, um, but I just want to, again, thank everybody for sticking with us for 100 episodes. It is insane. We have spent so much time um, recording and talking about Imperial Assault and so much more than Imperial Assault, and it's just been incredible. It has been an absolutely incredible experience. I cannot believe, like when I started this in November of 2017, I absolutely never thought that this would be where we would where we would be, right? Like I never thought that we would be 100 episodes in. I assumed we'd get to like around 25, and things would kind of peter out. But there was enough of uh, response, and especially the slack, just with the community growing like it did, that it just got a life of its own, right? And people have been really good about asking me, saying, hey, I've got this idea. I'd really like to come on the podcast, like Ben, Ben Varnum. He was like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about chess and Imperial Assault, and I'd really like to come on the podcast, you know? And I was like, that's honestly something I hadn't really thought about. I would love to. And that was one of, that is one of our most popular episodes. And just things like that, like people with really cool ideas and wanting to contribute, and that is what has made the community great. So with that being the case, I think the thing to say is just let us all press on together. You know, let, let's hold the line, as it were, and, and see what see what it is that, see what the community consensus is, right? Like if the community consensus is, hey, you know, we would just prefer to keep this more casual. Let's not worry about diving into anything. That's fine, right? Like there's no pressure on anybody to feel like they've got to participate or, you know, do what, do do something like what we've done in terms of like, drumming up local community support by producing tournament kits or something like that. The question is more of like, truly like, what is the consensus? What do we want to do? What is their energy for? And we can just see where we're at with that. So with our heroic task lay before us, I am reminded of a a story, not a story, um, but Winston Churchill, World War II. He, you know, they're in the battle for the lives of Britain, right? Of the Britons against the Nazis. And I think that I've never, I haven't seen, um, the darkest hour. Is that the one that Gary Oldman is in? And there's another one like the gathering storm or something like that. I I know that, I, I know that they, that these movies somehow that this, this fact is referenced. What happened was in the 19th century, there was a, um, an Englishman who, his name was Lord McAuley. I don't actually how you say his name. That's how I've always called him. And Macaulay wrote what were called the Lays of Rome. Now, one of these portions of the Lays of Rome describes the epic tale of a Roman named Horatius. I'm going to read a little bit of this poem here in a second, but before I just want to set the scene. So, um, it's kind of cool for those of you who don't read poetry. One of my destiny games is against a guy named Swiss who's from Aurora. And we all know Aurora is most famous for being the setting of Wayne's world. Um, but he, ta- he teaches literature at some local community college and he teaches poetry is what he does. And he, you know, I told him, I'm like, oh, I've got this like very amateur interest in, um, poetry, especially like the romantic poets and especially, you know, English poets, because we all know that England is the best. Um, and so I, you know, I told him about that and he gave me some incredible recommendations, which is another amazing thing about the Star Wars community. Um, but we, you know, I referenced my love of, of this and so this poem is what it is, is it's kind of a, it's a dramatic retelling of events from Roman history. And this is about, um, the, 
what's the word? The Siege of Rome by a guy whose name's Clusium. And it's it, it's brought on by the fact that there was a king of Rome. I hope I'm getting all these facts right. I think that I am. His name was Sextus. And Sextus is infamous for um, committing a very bad act as regards um, a woman in Rome. I think she was in Rome, named Lucretia. And he's driven out of town, and he returns to town with Clusium and this army set on sacking Rome. Okay? So, you know, they're, they're, they're going to take the town, is kind of the thought. And I'm not going to read this whole poem, but, you know, I'm just going to, to quote a little bit of it. Now, I am going to be reading a portion of this, but I should also bear in mind that the reason I referenced Winston Churchill at the beginning was because he had memorized all 1,200 lines of... <laughs> Macaulay's Lays of Rome, which is impressive. I have memorized portions of it regarding her, like this, a lot of the portions I'm going to read to you, I have memorized, but I've not memorized obviously the whole thing and I'm reading it just so I don't have any mistakes. But reference, and also bear in mind that the reason I'm reading this is to, you know, commemorate on the heroism of the tribe. Okay. So, fast by the royal standard, or looking all the war, Lars Persena of Clusium, that's his name. Sorry, Lars Persena, he is of Clusium. Okay. There we go. So starting again. Lars Persian of Clusium sat in his ivory car. By the right heel rode Mamilius, prince of the Latian name, and by the left false Sextus, who wrought the deed of shame. But when the face of Sextus was seen among the foes, a yell that rent the firmament from all the town arose. On the housetops was no woman, but spat toward him and hissed. No child but screamed out curses and shook its little fist. But the council's brow, the consul, sorry. And one more time, consul is like the head of the temporary head of the Roman Senate. Okay, so like the person in authority of Rome. The consul's brow was sad, and the consul's speech was low, and darkly looked he at the wall and darkly at the foe. Their van shall, will be upon us before the bridge goes down, and if they once might win the bridge, will hope to save the town. Then spoke out brave Horatius, the captain of the gate, to every man upon this earth that cometh sooner or late. And how can men die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his fathers and the temples of his gods and for the tender mother who dandled him to rest and for the wife who nurses his baby at her breast and for the holy maidens who feed the eternal flame to save them from false sextus that wrought the deed of shame. Hew down the bridge, sir counsel, with all the speed ye may. I with two more to help me will hold the foe in play. In yon straight path, a thousand may well be stopped by three. Now who will stand on either hand and keep the gate, the bridge with me? Then spoke out Spurius Lartius, a, Ram a Ramnian proud was he. Lo, I will stand at thy right hand and keep the bridge with thee. And outspoke strong Herminius of Titian blood was he. I will abide on thy left side and keep the bridge with thee. Horatius quoth the council, as thou sayest, so let it be. And straight against that great array went forth the dauntless three. And still his name sound uh, and still his name sounds stirring unto the men of Rome, as the trumpet blast that calls to them to change the Volsian home. And wives still pray to Juno for boys with hearts as bold, as his who kept the bridge so well in the brave days of old. Now the reason that I quote that is it is a little melodramatic, but it's also something that I think about like these things a lot in terms of what it takes to do hard work together. And I'm not like, this is not about getting people to devote more of their time to play Imperial Assault. In fact, I think that now with this being the case, there's nothing wrong with us devoting less time to it, but there is something to be said for giving yourself and helping other people build something that is bigger than yourself and that has been what we have been able to do with Imperial Assault, especially what I have felt like I've been able to do with Imperial Assault. 
And you read and you hear these incredible stories about things that sound heroic and awesome and amazing. And sometimes what you forget is that, or what I forget, is that you're part of something like that. And it's with your family and it's with your friends and it's with communities like this, right? Like communities with people who share a love towards something and are willing to invest themselves in it. And that's awesome. That is incredibly awesome. And I am so glad that we've been able to be a part of that together. And I'm not like, we're not not talking about this again to say that, you know, we're, we're going away or anything like that. Although I think there is something to, I think it, there is, it is clear that we're, we are going to have to slow down a little bit. But just to tell everyone, thank you for letting me be a part of what we have done together, right? For your work together and just for the, again, what we've been able to build together, the love that we have for each other. That's it. That's what I've got. So again, I encourage everyone to look forward to episodes 101 with Brett, 102 with David Gao and his Loft Cats, and 103 with Chris and company to talk about 2.0. I encourage everyone to stay um, focused and engaged on the Slack. It's okay if you want to take a few days off to think about how much you hate Spectre Cell. I think that we're all entitled to that. Everyone send your letters into FFG to tell them that now that they let worlds um, be Spectre it is time to return to a sense of normalcy. And let's think about what it is that we can do in order to keep the game, keep, keep the band together, keep the community growing. I love you all. I hope you have an amazing, amazing week and I'll talk to you later. Bye.